This week's episode of the Foot and Crease Podcast is sponsored by LaRoe Specialty Foods and Fine Italian Bakery. They are located at 327 Bronte Street South in Milton, Ontario. You can visit their website at LaRoseBakery.com and check out their Instagram page at LaRoseMilton. Welcome to episode 23 of the Foot in the Crease podcast. My name is Angelo Lippa, joined as always by Michael Chikin and Taylor Prestige. Boys, it's been a while, but uh, we have a Stanley Cup champion. We have awards to talk about, coaching changes, everything. So uh, let's say out of the boys. Mikey, how are we doing, buddy? It looks like you're uh, settling into the new home finally. A little bit in the basement right now, which we're currently uh, redoing. So it's a bit of a mess down here, but chipping away at her and... Uh, you know, baby's being the baby. I can hear her screaming upstairs right now. So. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get an earful after this. How, how you boys doing? Taylor, what's going on? Not too much, man. Just living the dream. Summer uh, summer holidays just started. Um, and actually, before we get into all the crazy news with, like, the Stanley Cup and um, all the awards and stuff, I saw today that Dr. Haley Wickenheiser was promoted to assistant GM. And as our listeners will know that I'm doing a documentary currently on her. Um, I did ask her about it over text today. And she said, ah, it's more of a title change than anything. I think she's kind of already fulfilled a lot of those roles. uh, But uh, it's exciting stuff. She's a groundbreaker in every way. So that's some exciting news on this end. So, Angelo, what's happening in Montreal? Oh, you know, it's uh, it's draft season, baby. It's uh, it's right around the corner. So it's uh, exciting in the city. It's nice out too. It's we've had good weather here, so uh, no complaints. No bitching about snowplows and parties. No, thank God, there's no fucking snowplows. I'm done with them till December. But uh, speaking of uh, Haley Wickenheiser, like it, I, I have a feeling that. I, in the near future, we will see her as a GM of an NHL team. She seemed to kind of – she's broken all these barriers already. Part of the Leafs being, you know, now an assistant general manager. I have to imagine that uh, the general manager title will soon follow within the next coming years. Yeah, she. I mean, she has the personality for it, I can tell mm-hmm. you that firsthand. Uh, she's no nonsense, but she's extremely cerebral, very smart. I just have a hard time imagining how she would balance being a general manager and, you know, a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not, it's not like she has a doctor of, of whatever the fuck in English or something silly like that. She's literally a medical doctor. We actually just filmed with her a scene at Fergus hospital of her working in the emer- emergency room uh, a couple of weeks ago, right when we wrapped production. So we're well into post-production on that project, but, uh, we can talk about that in a few weeks uh, in the coming months. So yeah. let's dive into the Stanley Cup finals and what we just witnessed. Yeah, well, we have a new Stanley Cup champion for the first time since, what, 2019 it was? We have someone not named the Tampa Bay Lightning crowned Stanley Cup champion, the Colorado Avalanche winning their third Stanley Cup in franchise history, defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-2 to two in what was – I felt like such a weird series at times because of just, you know, you had that game too where it was kind of a blowout and then, you know, Tampa going back home and kind of putting dominance on, but then game four happened and, you know, that was it for, that was pretty much all she wrote for, for Tampa. Uh, what did you guys take from the series? You know, uh, where does this leave Colorado? Where does this leave Tampa moving forward? You know, the, 
Tampa looked tired at the end there. They looked like they had just – they gave everything they had, but it just wasn't enough to kind of beat the – not young because they're not really young. They're more of a season team, but, you know, this – new age Colorado team that seems to play with speed, pace, and, you know, they can put the puck in the back of the net at, at will at times. Yeah, I think it felt like how long can Tampa drag this out for? Like, it always felt like Colorado was going to win the series, but it was just more of a question of, I feel like, can Tampa push it to seven? Although, when Stamkos put them up one nothing in game six, he kind of had the feeling like, oh boy, are they going to grind this one out? And and force a seven, but but all the injury, like it felt like every shift a Tampa player was was walking down the tunnel, right? So they were beaten and, and battered, and three straight Stanley Cup finals and, and odd seasons, and um, it's just one of those things, kind of like Rocky too, when he beats Apollo Creed, and and uh, he says Father Time is why he beat him, right? Like Tampa was just just I think out of gas and. Uh, Colorado was definitely the more the, the fresher of the two teams and and uh, they're a hell of a hockey team though. So Taylor, what would you make of the series? You know, um, I don't know. It was uh, it, it was entertaining. I'll tell you that it's the best hockey I've seen, most engaged I've been in a series, not including the Toronto Maple Leafs in a few years. Um, my biggest takeaway is what a superstar Kale McCarr has turned into oh, right in man. front of our eyes, man. Crazy to think this guy was playing tier two junior A mm-hmm. for the Brooks Bandits of the Alberta Junior League just a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Kale McCarr, like the, they can go toe to toe with the firepower and star power that Tampa has. Um, also, it's one of the first times in many years that kind of wire to wire the team that was expected to win one. So um, all the way around, just an impressive showing by Joe Sackick and believing in his group and sticking with it. It'll be interesting to see the group they run back next year, because I, I have a suspicion Nazem Kadri is going to be getting a big payday. Oh, and yeah. He was a massive part of that uh, team and that win. Um, and I think they have, I don't know if Burakovsky is uh, restricted or whatever, but uh yeah, I mean, all the way around, I thought it was a fantastic series. It was great hockey, great for the game. And I think it's great for the game to see a new champion as well. So uh, I was happy to see Colorado win. Angel, yeah. what do you think? It, like you guys, happy to see kind of a new team win, you know. And, and watching a team like Colorado kind of, you know, they've they've always been this team that everyone's talked about being, okay, they're right there, but they could never get over, you know, that second round. They lost to Vegas last year. And then just, you know, other previous years, just always like finding a way to kind of do themselves in in the second round and not being able to get over that hump. And, you know, he had a point during the offseason where, you know, Landeskog, I believe, had an offer from Seattle. And, you know, he could have chosen to go and just, you know, finish out his career there. But he kind of wanted to stick around. And luckily he did because he was a key part of that team. And, you know, they're going to have some tough choice, some tough decisions to make in this off, upcoming offseason because, you know, you're going to have to pay uh, Nathan McKinnon too next year. He's an, he's a, he's an under, uh, pending unrestricted free agent at the end of next year, and he took a very team-friendly deal. So uh, it'd be curious to kind of see what number he takes in the future. But uh, you guys mentioned Kale McCarr. Like but, uh, Wayne Gretzky said he is the next Bob Yord. Do you guys think – that we are wide, like our era, we have like the best defenseman probably we've seen in our era was Nick Lindstrom. You know, can Kale McCarr be the next 
Nick Lindstrom, Bobby Orr, you know, be the guy that's just basically going to win Norris after Norris after Norris and be the game's best defenseman. If he stays healthy, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he's, it's not like the defenseman over the last like 10, 15 years that have put up big numbers that are mainly bullets from the point on power plays and whatnot. Like he's fucking dancing guys and, and it's the, the pucks on a string. Like, He's unbelievable. So yeah, like Taylor said, if he stays healthy, like he's he's gonna be Bobby Orr-esque, absolutely. Yeah, I would say it. It, it was. It, it's hard to imagine a defenseman like I. I didn't see a day coming anytime soon where there'd be a defenseman more dominant offensively than Eric Carlson was that year that Ottawa almost went to the final. What was that? Twenty seventeen. Um, 2018 whatever yeah, year it was yeah right before they kind of blew it up but yeah. um like he's like eric carlson meets you know defensive prowess as well like mm-hmm. he throws the body he's always in the right lane like he's just an unbelievable player so yeah we'll see what we'll see what comes out of that now i have to ask mikey what what did you think of nazim Kadri's <laughs> comments uh about kissing kissing his ass kissing like, his ass yeah I loved it, man. Like, that's who he is, right? And, fuck, I, w- I would have said the same thing. Like, um, mind you, his first year in Colorado, he got suspended as well, didn't he? In the yeah, he got suspended. Yeah. That's the only thing is, like, I, I think, you know, everyone's saying it has to do with, you know, Kyle Dubas or whatever. But that's the media saying that because yeah. it's the media he's telling to kiss his ass. So the media doesn't want to fess yeah. up to that. But the reality is, is – um. He was a liability. Yeah. He got no, he suspended was. in three <laughs> straight playoff runs. Yeah. No, he was. But, but like, this year he he kept his head and he was fucking fantastic, man. And, and coming back and playing through injury. And, and I think he said in the, the – was it the pregame before he came back that he, he waited long enough to play in the finals. He wasn't going to wait anymore. And mm-hmm. he played his heart out, man, and, and scored a key goal at game – Five or no game four overtime? Yeah, game four. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and had the T-shirt for the parade, the the too many <laughs> men. But good for him, man. He's he's a good hockey player and plays on the edge. And there's not enough players like that. So I'm, it'll be I'm interesting to see how he comes back next year after his big payday. Because yeah, that that was his best year since the lockout year. Because he was mm-hmm. a point of game player in that 48 game season where. Toronto had the famous collapse, right? Um, and then he kind of turned into this second, third line center, checking center type role. And then he proved still effective, though, right? Like he, he was still effective. Yeah, but he wasn't an 80 point player. And then this year he was, yeah. right? So, um, dude, he's going to be like, they're going to be asking for like $9 million a year. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. And there's, there's going to be a team that bites too, because they're going to look at what this year was and say, okay, if that's what this year is going to be, I'm probably going to get that again and again. And there's going to be a team that's desperate for that, you know, that number you, you two kind of addition. But you know what, team Lippa? I don't want to fucking don't. No, yeah. please. The city you're living in, buddy. No, I can, I can no. truly see that. Fuck. Yeah. I, I Why just, not? Why? Why? Because he was elite? No, because I, I just never liked Kadri. I just never liked him as a player. And, like, one of my buddies, like, we went to a Marley's game when he was with them, and I just chirped him all fucking game from the stands. 
to the point where he looked up at me, was ready to fight. It felt like he was ready to jump up and come oh, and yeah. fight me. So, oh, yeah. so but you, you know what the problem is? Is you get Kadri and you're not bad enough again next year. I want them to be bad again next season. They're not, dude. There's no way. They're, I need them to. Be- we nah. need. I need him to. You know what I'm saying, dude. He'll be a cult hero in Montreal if he plays. Oh, hundred percent, he would be. Or he'll be the David Clarkson of Montreal. Oh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Pop the boards in the preseason. Yeah. Get himself suspended. <laughs> That's all. Fucking. Oh man. You know, I, I got to ask about you know because we saw Darcy Kemper this year. He didn't, he wasn't stellar to say the least. You know, he made he kind of was like you know Grant Fuhr esque. He made the save when the team, when Colorado really needed him to make the save. Do you think we're going to see teams kind of go this route where maybe it's, you know, they had Francois and, you know, they were kind of, like, he was a key part too, because when Kemper did get that stick in the eye, I forget what series it was, but he got the stick in the eye and he wasn't able to play and Francois stepped in, you know, we saw him kind of carry the load as well and, you know, had about the same success. Are we going to see teams kind of still go this route where maybe they don't need the, the like, the Andre Vasilevsky, the Igor Shosturkin, maybe even Carey Price type of well, thing. No, I just – I think the teams that were trending that way are going to continue with that formula. Like, the mm-hmm. only difference between Kemper and Jack Campbell is that in the important games, Kemper got the run support, mm-hmm. where Campbell didn't. That's that's literally the only difference between the two of them. Like, Campbell – not to take back to Toronto, but – He's by no means, I don't think, a top five goalie in the league, but he did his job. He just didn't get the goal scoring when he mm-hmm. needed it. And yeah. Kemper, I don't think, is is a better goaltender than Jack Campbell is. Mm-hmm. But he he had the guys in front of him that scored when it mattered. And all he, he did what he had to do, allow two, right? Like, And, and that's the difference. So that, that's what I think anyways. And I think teams with the solid goalie are going to keep the solid goalie. Like you, I know it's a copycat league, but – yeah. You know what Colorado reminded me of this year? They reminded me of the Chicago teams of the mid-2010s. Uh, yeah. Because they had Corey Crawford. They had, I think, Antti Miemi for their first one. Ray Emery in support. Um, the Ray Emery-Corey Crawford combo reminded me a lot of Darcy Kemper and Francois. So, uh, it is a copycat league. But what other team in the league has McKinnon and McCarr level players, right? Not yeah. many. You know, the Leafs have Marner and Matthews. Marner's a top 15, 20 player in the league. Matthews a top five. But Makar and fucking McKinnon, those are two top five players in the NHL. Definitely, yeah, because you'd think, like, if McDavid's number one and Makar's number two and Vasilevsky's number three in terms of, like, top three players in the league, I'd McKinnon say, would be, McKinnon say and McKinnon. Matthews are right there, right? Yeah, exactly. They're right. They're right there because they're elite level players, and you know we see them like in the big moments, like throughout the playoffs. I don't think Matthews had a bad playoffs. I think he had a really good playoffs. Just kind of got victim to, uh, you know, this. Ah, we don't need trade, to go down. But, but, but I think I think the difference is though, and you could tell. I think McKinnon gave the interview last year, the year before, how he had played nine years and had hadn't won shit. Like you mm-hmm. could tell, looking at McKinnon, he was not going to be denied. Mm-hmm. Like he was doing everything he fucking could and, and then ends up getting a, a lucky goal. Like one goes off him and then that breaks the ice for him. But you could, you could tell. And I think sometimes, yeah, it's one of those things where he was just tired of losing and, and he like, he's so tight with a guy like Crosby who, you know, has won so much and, and 
I think he just had that in him that he was not going to fucking lose. And sometimes that, that separates winning and losing, right? Like you could be, you could be super good and want it really bad. But if you got something inside you that says, I'm not fucking losing, then, then that, that puts you over the edge. But yeah, it was uh that, that was a great Colorado team. And Landis Cog had been there a while and um, they, they just, they really wanted it. And, and, and the, you had guys chipping in, right? Like third, yeah. fourth liners chipping in and, you got to get lucky to uh, to win championships, and they caught some breaks along the way and, and worked out for them. So. And by the way, maybe the sneakiest superstar in the NHL has taken over from Nick Nicholas Backstrom is out. Miko Rantanen is in. Mm-hmm. Everyone forgets Rantanen led the Avs in scoring yeah. this year. He had like 95, 94 points, right? I mean, you had also three or four other players with more than 70 points with – McKinnon and Kadri and McCarr and Landis Cog not far behind, but like, Jesus Christ, this team is stacked. So to go back to your point about Kemper, it, no other team has maybe other than Tampa, but Tampa has Vasilevsky in that, mm-hmm. yeah. right? No other team has, has the depth that the abs do. They are going to be a team to be reckoned with for mm-hmm. years here. So do you uh, think, uh, do you think we see a repeat of the finals next season? No. Tampa, no? Tampa's tired, man. Yeah. They're tired. It, it takes, I think Tampa, Tampa's, Tampa's going to be out in the first round yeah. next year. You, and you saw that list of – unless, uh, unless they play uh, – <laughs> But you know what, though? True. Unless they play True. Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you have to think. I, like, I, I, I hate to use Montreal as the example because they were very shit this year, but they went through kind of what Tampa went through last year with, like – all these guys, like Price was hurt, Weber was hurt, Petrie, everyone's hurt, and you're 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 doing whatever you can to play for it because it's for the Stanley Cup. You want to win it, but the next season, the toll it took on those guys, like you know, Carey Price didn't come back till April, and Weber we were never going to see again, and and even Petrie, Petrie wasn't the same guy, and you know, yeah, but it, I, I know what you're saying, but mm-hmm. that Montreal team. No, I know. It, it, that's what I mean. It's hard. Like you're, they're still going to have Vasilevsky. Like Va- I think Vasilevsky next year is going to, you know, carry a lot of that load to start because you know, look at what Brayden Point was. He was hurt, and you know, I'm sure Stamkos oh, yeah. was hurt and had all those guys. And you know, a tough. It's it, it, it's a lot of hockey to play. Okay, well, sir. I'll re- I'll rephrase my question to you guys. Not next season, but in the next three seasons. Like I can see Tampa getting back there. Yeah. Like. Would you guys agree? For- it, within the next couple of years, for sure. Yeah, when you have right. Vasilevsky in that, it's anything could happen. Yeah. Kucherov, Stamkos, like they're all – like it's still a stack. Hedman yeah. is still top three defensemen in the world. And Stamkos and Kucherov, yes, they've taken a bit of a step back, but they're still top 20 players mm-hmm. in the NHL, right? So they've got the depth, but we'll see what, we'll see what happens. I just can't believe – Kerfoot didn't fucking bury an overtime in game. <laughs> <laughs> I still think about that twice a week, man. It fucking kills me. All right, well, I think uh, I think it's time. What do you think, Ange? Let's bring up our interview with uh, Flint Firebirds forward and uh, future NHL star. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Amadeus uh, Lombardi. What do you think? Sounds like a plan. Our next guest has gone from a 13th round selection in the 2019 OHL draft to being ranked in the top 100 by NHL Central Scouting for North American skaters. In his previous season with the Flint Firebirds of the OHL, he recorded 18 goals and 41 assists while playing in 67 games. 
He was a key contributor to the Flint Firebirds during their playoff run. Please welcome to the Foot in the Crease podcast, Amadeus Labardi. Amadeus, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you taking some time to come on with us and talk. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Buddy, with a name like Amadeus Lombardi, we need to know, because we're all Pisons. Where in the old country is the family from? You got to be Calabres, no? No, no. My, uh, so my, my dad's dad, my grandfather, he's from Lazio, Ciprano. And then my, my dad's mom, my grandmother is Abruzzes. So oh, kind of okay. middle, middle, middle Italy. Yeah, um, Angelo Benedetto, he's... Uh, He's a Abruzzese as Half well. Abruzzese here, man. Yeah, we, really? we're covering, between the four of us, we're covering the entire boot of yeah. Italy. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, Amadeus, uh, tell us about your journey. You know, you were a 13th round pick back in, in 2019 and kind of had to go about, you know, your OHL journey and your pro career journey a different way. So, kind of take us through, you know, how everything kind of came to be, how everything transpired for you. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, I played hockey my whole life, and it was part of my life since I was a kid, but uh, it really started to get serious. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty late bloomer, so minor midget was hard. I was super undersized and ended up, you know, almost not getting drafted, uh, you know, drafted basically by fluke out of this tournament. Uh, so I was pretty lucky. And then during the midget season, just playing U18 was huge for me. Uh, I developed like not only physically, but mentally and just like the games of my game, the parts of my game that were uh, really lacking, like my defensive zone, face-offs, two-way game, that stuff that I needed to get to the next level was huge for me. And, you know, I really credit a lot of that to Jason Nobley and the staff. Uh, They really did a lot of work with me. So that helped me take the next level. And then obviously at the, during that season, I signed uh, with Flint, but then COVID kind of happened and, uh, you know, that was really hard just working out all the time and not knowing what's going to happen when the season's going to start. And I had something to prove that year. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't play. But then this year, you know, gave me more time to develop and get get stronger and more mature. And I think this year, like, um, everything kind of went good. Uh, we had a really good team. We surprised everyone. And I think, I, you know, personally, I surprised people. But I think as a team, we did even more. So it was really cool to be a, a part of that experience. So question for you, uh, I see online that you're from Aurora, Ontario, um, obviously going to play in Michigan, moving to another country, you know, no one's home cooking's not available all the time, maybe, you know, what was that experience like going to the States as a kid and, and uh, playing in a different country? What did that, what was that like for you? It was definitely different. Uh, I'd have games where, you know, close to home, Kitchener, Guelph, that was kind of the closest year where. After the game, I'd go see my family, and my, my mom and Nana would have uh, six jars of sauce that I'd take on the bus and take home with me. So that was pretty funny. It, it, was, it, was, a, it was really different having to cook, uh, you know, on my own or that kind of stuff, which I think helped a lot, too, with just, like, maturity and growing up. And I think I really needed to, uh, to get a different uh, atmosphere and a different setting to grow that way. And I had amazing billets. Um, it was their first year of building too, and they were just amazing. Uh, they had three kids who all played hockey, just a really good family that um, it was just a perfect setup. And I was so lucky to have them. So it was really good. So did they, they give you access to the stove and whatnot to, to heat the sauce up and did they give you freezer space to, uh... Oh, they were, they were the best. They, 
any accommodations that I needed, they'd give me. Uh, I, you know, they'd always, they'd get me like so many groceries. I felt so bad, but they'd always get me all this food and let me do whatever I want. So it was a really uh, easy transition. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of sauce was in the fridge. My nun preserves it. So it lasts for quite a while. She wasn't sending you with the wine like Mikey's because all of us, we lived together when we went to college in Hamilton and Mikey's no, no would send him with all the homemade wine. Buddy, I still miss that <laughs> wine. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like wine. I'm not a big uh, wine drinker. My grandpa drinks it or my nonno drinks it every, every, uh, every dinner, but I, I hate it to be honest. Buddy, if you're headed to the show, you got to learn to love the wine. They're going to be feeding you the Camus. <laughs> Got to get there first, though. So go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. Go ahead. So, Amadeus, uh, question kind of on the hockey side, you know, like you, you talked about being a late bloomer and everything, you know, was ever Junior A kind of a route that maybe you thought of taking and then, you know, developing your game that way and then maybe possibly taking a step into the NCAA and kind of going that route? Did you ever have those thoughts kind of come through your head while this whole process was going on? Or Yeah, it was uh... – it, it was a, it was a tough decision to make, um, you know. During that U eighteen year, I had uh, an offer to play for uh, the Canadians Junior A, but it was just they were a really good team. I was, mm -hmm. I I wasn't going to play a lot, so I decided to come back play midget, which again, uh, probably the best decision so far in my hockey career. Um, so I played, I played there, and uh, yeah, my I was pretty keen on going. NCAA I thought like I wasn't gonna have enough time to develop in the OHL and and uh, stuff like that so I wanted to go division one or NCAA my dad wanted me to go NCAA and kind of we were in the playoffs for a midget season and it kind of just came out of nowhere um we were in the finals playing against the Nats and after I think it was like game three my agent called me I came home from school and my my dad was like we have a call with Flint like right now they want to sign you and like as soon as I heard that, I wanted to sign right away. So it was a pretty, it was it was a hard decision. But as soon as it came up, it was easy. What's it been like uh, approaching the NHL draft? You know, you've you've climbed up the rankings in a hurry, as Angelo alluded to. Uh, is this kind of a a bit of a surprise? And have you been talking to teams? Do you have a little bit of a feel of where you might go in the draft. Like, tell us what that's been like for you. Yeah, it's been. Uh... It's been a crazy – it's it's still, like, it's crazy to think about and to, to talk about. Um, it's honestly amazing. I'm, I'm very nervous, but uh, very excited. Like, it's, it's my dream, and um, it's, been a, it's been a positive year, and none of this would have – I wouldn't be able to do any of this without my teammates and coaches and, and everyone. They've supported me all season long. Um, but, yeah, I've been talking to, you know, a lot of teams, and – I mean, I'm kind of a wild card because of my age, so I don't really know what's going to happen. I can end up going higher, lower, or not even drafted at all. So that's the most nerve-wracking part. But I know that, you know, no matter what happens, I'll be able to find a way to get to the next level, and 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 I'll go from there. But it's definitely a scary day, but an exciting one. So, uh, which player would you say you uh, kind of model your game after, or, or one or two players? Uh. And stuff. I've always like when I was growing up. I used people always used to say like Mitch Marner, and I used to see the similarities too. Like, you know, pretty like playmakers, a little bit undersized, kind of skate similar. But I think uh, 
this year my agent said uh, Hughes, like Jack Hughes. And I think that was a pretty accurate one. I mean, I watched, he sent me all his shifts. So I watched all his shifts from this year and picked up a lot. I think he's super crafty and I think he's going to be a superstar in the next few years. So it's a pretty good com- uh, comparison. So I like to compare, uh, try and model my game after Hughes just because, you know, a little bit undersized, a little bit lanky, uh, but super skilled, smart, sees the play well, and uh, and can score goals and set it up. So I really like watching him. That's the age gap right there, eh? Because he's not saying yeah. Jason Blake. Man world. Has there been any, like, teams that you've kind of dealt with that, like – because we always hear, like, stories of some of, like, the prospects, how the questioning they go through with teams are very intense – and do you ever have you had any of that interaction with any teams or has it been kind of just like you know them kind of getting to know you and you getting to know them mostly it's just uh mostly it's just like us getting to know each other it's a pretty calm environment it's obviously it's a lot over zoom because i'm pretty sure they're still not allowed to meet with players so a lot of it's over over zoom uh because during the year there was still stuff with covid um there wasn't too much. I think on one um, on one questionnaire I did, there was uh, there was like um, riddles in it, and then there was also two math questions. There was like a fraction question on it, so that was probably the weirdest one. And uh, yeah, there was a couple questions even in interviews with uh, with scouts that kind of caught. They'd they'd ask you something to to kind of take your mind off it, and then they'd hit you with a question that kind of throws you off guard. They'd ask me like how'd you get your name? Where'd you get your name? And I, and I explain it and it kind of get me comfortable off my guard and you'd be like, so do you smoke weed? And I'm, and it's like catches you <laughs> off guard. So that's, that's pretty much the only, uh, the only kind of weird ones I'd say. Okay. Well, I think I, I have a feeling I know what team might've asked the math question and it may or may not be somewhere in the region of Aurora, Ontario, but we won't, we won't pressure you to answer that one. <laughs> no, I know it. Uh, no, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it was a cool one though. It was like 300 questions, the questionnaire. So it took a long time. Maybe not. It was like 180, maybe it took a lot of time. All right. Last one for you, Amadeus. It's just, you know what, you've, you've had this story, this incredible journey, you know, from being a 13th round selection to now being one of uh, North America's top 100 players. Uh, What advice would you give for up and coming hockey players that are, you know, chasing this dream of the NHL and pro hockey? I think just, you got to always stick with it. You got to surround yourself with people who are going to, you know, give positive outlooks and, and positive feedback for you. Um, there's going to be always ups and downs. It's never going to be perfect. And it's honestly, it's better to go through ups and downs because if it's perfect the whole way around, as soon as you get that one kind of negative thing, it's going to just set you back because you're not used to it. So just no matter what, just keep to it. Uh, never give up. Don't let anyone tell you that uh, you can't do this. Or you can't do that. Or the odds or like someone say, you know, the odds of making it in the NHL. Don't listen to any of that because only you can control the work you put in. Uh, on and off the ice and you got to treat it like a, a job because if you want to you know play in the NHL it's a job people are playing in the NHL they're fighting and and playing to uh, to put food on their to put food on their table for their families so 
that's the way I kind of look at it. Hey, hey, hang on. One last question. Yeah, no, right, go ahead. Right, Slavkovsky or Cooley? Who's going number one? I think uh, it's tough. I think Chain Wright will still go first overall. It's a tough one, man. It's the first time in years that there hasn't been really a clear cut number one. So it's going to be. I think it's, I think it's good. I mean, it's good to have competition, but I still think Shane Ray will go number one. He's been number one for not just this year, but like for a long time, ever since he's gotten exceptional status. So I think, uh, you know, if they don't, if Montreal don't take, doesn't take him with the first pick and then he, he pans out to be this superstar, they'll be, there's too much risk. So I think he'll still go first overall, but really anything can happen. We don't know what they're thinking. So, yeah. Wrong answer, buddy. Should have gone with Lombardi. Gone out. <laughs> no. <laughs> I out, man. No. Not at that level. It's okay. All right, buddy. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you in the future, man. Bona fortuna. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Good, I really good luck with that. everything. And uh, if you want a, a wine weekend, a little bit of sugo, <laughs> call us up. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank, thanks, Amadeus, for joining us. Appreciate it, buddy. No problem. Thanks, Take guys, care. for having me. Take care, buddy. Take care. Take care, man. Bye. Let's move on to talking about what's coming up here this week. We have the NHL draft. Mm-hmm. At the end of the show, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll circle back to talking about uh, some of the NHL awards. But we've got the NHL draft this week. It's in Montreal. Angelo's uh, hometown, his hometown team is picking number one. And it's in his uh, new hometown, I should yeah. say, in Montreal. So with all those things in, in – uh, you know, with all those things in mind, how are you feeling about this uh, this week? And who is your pick to go number one? Well, I'm I'm still a little cheesed because I wasn't able to get tickets, and on the secondary market, they're like two hundred and seventy five fucking dollars for the first round, just for the first round. The rest of the draft, like the second and the seventh, ten bucks. But that fucking first round is what everybody wants, and it's an expensive ticket. It's a hot ticket in this town. Uh, I'm is, feeling, it, is the city shut down Thursday, Friday? Oh, I'm, I might even I might even skip work. I might even show up. I might just go and like stand outside the Bell Center and ride if they don't take who I want them to take. But um, I, I want them to take Shane Wright. I know that Slavkovsky has kind of come up the the ranks here, and he's had he had a stellar Olympics and a World Hockey Championship and everything. But you know, talking with my dad, who was also a Montreal Canadiens fan. Oh, no, he told he told me this story about I think it's uh, Marcel Dion and how he was you know highly touted was supposed to be you know the number one pick I I think it was Marcel Dion or uh, Savard I forget who and they ended up taking Doug Wickenheiser they fuck they had the first overall pick and they ended up taking Doug Wickenheiser and kind of fuck it all up because Doug Wickenheiser came up through the the ranks and you know just kind of you know, like Slavkovsky kind kind of came out of nowhere and Montreal, you know, bit the bullet and went and one went on to have a Hall of Fame career and the other, you know, didn't really do much. So they drafted the wrong Wickenheiser. Yeah, they they definitely drafted the wrong Wickenheiser. But, you know, Slavkovsky and Shane Wright both fill a, a, a need for the Montreal Canadiens, which is one, a left winger and two, a center because the center depth the Canadiens have in comparison to the rest of the division is severely lacking. They really need some help. Um, I've always thought that it was going to be Shane Wright. I've made up my mind that it'll be Shane Wright. I know that they've talked about that, 
oh, we're undecided and this and that. But I believe the reason it's Shane Wright is Montreal's had several meetings with him and they say that they have grilled him hard. And the reason I believe this is because he's going to have to deal with the Montreal media where like famously Brian Burke said, you're stupid in two languages. You're not just stupid in one, you're stupid in both. So, you know, being a young kid, being the first overall pick, he's forever going to be compared to Slavkovsky and it'll always be a thing. So I imagine that they've given him that treatment. So I believe that he's the pick, but I also think that Kent Hughes has something up his sleeve where he's going to do whatever it takes to probably try and get that second overall pick. And I don't know what it's going to take because Montreal has a few extra first round picks that have come by. Everyone's saying this, Angela, where, why would New Jersey, who's an up and coming team want to part with the second pick? I, I don't know because they, they want Josh Anderson because they feel that Josh Anderson could be the power forward. <laughs> that they need. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's not just going to be Josh Anderson. It'll probably be Josh Anderson. The, this year's extra first round pick that they have from Calgary next year's first round pick. That's from Florida and probably a few other picks because they have like, no, terrible. there's no they're way such a young team. Why would they, why would they, I do don't that? know. I, I, but that's, I, I just have this feel because they keep saying how he wants to make a splash and that he wants to trade back into the top 10. Well, if you're going to trade back into the top 10, shoot for the fucking stars, get the second overall pick, go for it. And, 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 you know, they, they keep talking about how they're undecided between him, Slavkovsky, and they, they mentioned Cooley, but I feel like Cooley's kind of like a severe underdog to be drafted first overall. No, no. If I'm Cooley's the, going number one, buddy. Nah, I don't know about that. But if, if Logan Cooley's if, going number one, he played with Ken Hughes' son yeah, at the home. U.S. national program. So they're really just going to – they're really just going to – Cooley one, Slavkovsky two – Shane Wright's going third overall, man. Oh, God. To the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Sorry. The, the, the player that I was mentioning that the Canadians passed on for Duck Wiganizer was Dennis Savard, not Marcel Dion. I got my, uh, my Quebec players screwed up a little bit. But you have to go Shane Wright. I'm so, I, I, it, you have to go Shane Wright. He's been the number one player for so long, you know, and you need that number one center that's, you know, you look, look at the division. You have, you have Austin Matthews still there. You have Barkov and you have Huberto down in, in, in Florida. And you can't forget, you know, what Tampa is. And Detroit's an up-and-coming team. They're, you know, they're a couple of years away. You see, like, the drafting ability of, of Stevie Y, how, how much of an impact it's had. And, you know, Ottawa's hanging around, but they're still whatever ways away. But they still have plenty of prospects that are coming up. So, you know, if I'm the Canadians, you know, you go right, send them back to the O next year. That That's even my thing. Like, whoever you have, send them back to the O. Don't even bring them on. That's be not, ba- that's be not bad not. again next year. I want to be bad again next year. Like, severely bad. Not going to happen, dude. It's not going to happen. I hate to tell you. They're not – you guys are not getting fucking – what's his name? Uh, the kid. Slavkovsky and right? Oh, but is it Bedard? <laughs> Bedard. Bedard. It's not Bedard. happening, man. I hate to tell you. It's, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting draft. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most intriguing draft we've seen in several years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny because the Nico Heeshear draft, that was the last one where there was some chatter about, but everyone knew Heeshear was going to go. 
And then funny enough, Kale McCarr goes number four. But uh, I think it's good for the game. It's also really interesting for the first time ever, Slovakia is kind of re-entering their golden age um, with Nemitz is going to go probably fourth. And then um, Slavkovsky's right there too. Like it's been a long time. Like last year, the like I don't think there was any impact players in the NHL that were Slovak. And when we were growing up, you know, Ziggy Palfi, Peter Bondra, uh, Pavel Dimitra, young Zdeno Chara, yeah. you know, they were, they were a hell of a hockey nation. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nice to see other countries uh, up and coming as well. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one. No, I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I will be tuned in obviously, and I might even film it. And if they don't do what I expect them to do, maybe my phone's going to end up at the bottom of, you know, of my house or wherever I am, or I'm going to throw it halfway across the street and it's going to end up in a sewer heading down to the St. Lawrence. I don't know what it's going to happen, but no, it, it is exciting. You know, this, there is that intrigue, right? Like, you know, there is like, there's no clear cut number one this year. Although Shane Wright's been that guy for so long, like, you know, he's not Austin Matthews. He's not Connor McDavid, you know, not even Owen power. Like, you know, like Owen power was kind of the consensus number one last year. So I imagine that uh, it's going to be an exciting draft. I imagine that the place will be a buzz and I have a feeling we're going to see Gary Bettman out of COVID protocol, getting his ass booed the hell out of that fucking building too. So yeah. Imagine how loud the booze will be when first they see Bettman and then right after that, the Canadians <laughs> take uh, Cooley. Oh, my. <laughs> did, did you ever, there's a photo from when they, when they drafted Kotniemi many years ago four years ago and there's just this lady like looking around like shush like what what who's who the hell is this guy because they're expecting someone i think they were expecting philip zadina or something like that they weren't even expecting like brady kachuk who they really should have taken so Uh, i still think hawkinian was the right draft pick man don't don't beat yourself up up out of that stuff All right. Well, I think with that, uh, we could segue into our next next guest here, Angelo and Mike. Uh, we've got uh, joining us on the line here, Nashville Predators amateur scout and former OHL standout with the Erie Otters. Now been working with the league for quite some time. We got Matt Patton live from Montreal. How you doing, Matt? Doing well. Doing well. Just uh, got in today and just getting settled here. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Always fun to come to Montreal. What's a, what's a week look like for a scout? You know, you guys have been doing your homework. You've been working the ranks around the OHL for the last nine, ten months, right? So, essentially, the work's kind of done at this point, no? Yeah, like I said, like, you know, this is kind of a week, like, you know, if if your work isn't done, you're, you might be in trouble, but no. Um, essentially, right now, you know, the homework is done. You know, you, you, we've, we spent, you know, we, like you said, we, you know, spent the last nine, 10 months on the rinks. Like I'm just, I'm just covering the Ontario loop and, um, you know, all of our other scouts in WHL, Quebec, Sweden, Finland, Czech, you know, everybody's covered their basis. And uh, back in May, we met up in Nashville, um, just kind of helped build our list together and um, see where we're at. And then from then on, we just kind of been doing conference calls and, um we obviously went the, the, the combine there in Buffalo, um, where you see the fitness testing and you you know interview the kids and um you know just right now like leading up to just checking in with the coaches, checking in with um the players and you know agents, that type of thing. And 
um, making sure you got all your, your, uh, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. So um, right now we're just, it's this week we get here, you know, we're going to have a, a meeting tomorrow. You know, it's, it's, it's more about, you know, cutoffs and where you think if, if, the, if the guy that you like is going to get to you, um, or do you trade back? Do you stay with it? Do you all, there's a lot of different things that fall into place that, you know, your head, make your head spin and uh, on draft day, but uh, it's just all about preparation, making sure that if the guy's there that, you know, we like as a, as a group and um, that we're getting the right guy. So. Is there, a, is there a lot of back and forth in those meetings between like, you know, you say the general manager and then the other scouts that have maybe watched a, a certain player, like, is there like you're, you have this one prospect in mind, you really think that he can really help Nashville and then he can take you guys to the next step. Are you sitting there and having a big, like, you know, argument with someone says, no, this is, this is the guy, this is the guy we need in this right. If you don't yeah. take him, we're going to, yeah. we're going to live to regret it for the next like five yeah, to fuck 10 you. years. This yeah. is my guy. Like, what, what do yeah. you mean? No, I've no, never I'm even not, seen your it, guy tie his skates. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, it happens. And obviously like we have our, our assistant general manager and our chief scout, they see everybody. We have a couple crossover guys that see everybody. Um, you know, there's definitely back and forth. Like, I mean, just like, like there should be, I think. I mean, if there's back and forth, it means like we always say with our group that you, you have passion for a guy. If you have passion for a guy, then it means you want him. That's why he should be on our list. And uh, where where he he may be, th- that remains to be seen. But you know, there's back and forth. It's good, healthy, you know. But for for me too, just if you like a guy, you you, you got you got to let him know. And that's just that's just how it goes. Obviously, I am I'm the area guy. I see these guys play 12, 15 times, and um, you know sometimes. You know, if you like a guy, you, you gotta you gotta step up and tell me to do so. So, um, no, a couple. I haven't really seen any crazy arguments, but I've seen you know a couple of disagreements. But it's more or less just okay. We want the same thing. We want the best player available. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you my opinion. They're telling you they're theirs. It's just good, healthy, you know, conversation and about just, and we all want the same thing. We always, we're a team. You know, the whole organization as a whole is a team. And we all we all want the best thing, and that's the best player. So, I mean, it's, it happens from time to time, but it's, it's good. This is uh, this, what your third, third draft with Nashville, you're down on the floor. So you're actually in person. Thank God we're over the COVID hump here. Um, What does this draft class look like in comparison? How does it stack up against recent years draft classes? Cause I know some guys are saying it falls off after the second round, but it's a pretty strong first round class. Would you not say? Yeah, I, I would, I would say so again, like I don't see every, all, every single one of these guys, the guys from Europe and I'm like, all of that, I kind of just stick with the guys in North America for my job right now. But I mean, if I'm being honest, I think just from my Ontario loop and just from talking with other scouts, I think you could really tell like these kids didn't play last year. Mm, right. Right, so you, right. You, you, you got, you got to, you got to factor in that usually they have a year to adjust to the league to major junior where they have their 16 year old year and you know, they, they adjust to, you know, being, being away from home, adjust to the new systems, adjust the workout schedules and the, you know, adjusting with school and balancing, you know, for many, for many of these guys, they got, they got school, they got hockey, and then they got 32 NHL teams, you know, how them to do interviews. Right. So, I mean, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think like it, it was an adjustment. Uh, I don't think that you see, you see him what, you know, the, what their best from the, from, 
from this year, specifically the kids in the probably the OHL because they they they're the only league that never got any games in. So um, no, I, I think there's some. I think you could see some steals in the draft later on, just based off just because they you know they took it a year to adjust. So um, you know this year's draft class, who knows? It could be could be great. Could look back on it and say, wow, there wasn't that many players that that, that played. But um, you know you go in doing your homework, you don't, you go in, you know, with your best educated guests and with, with your, with your, with your uh, tools that you have to, to evaluate these players. And you just hope that, you know, they, they, they take off next year. So, um, and then you got to remember too, like, that's what I said, like they're 17 year old kids, 18 year old kids, like they, it takes time. So I think you don't really, you don't really know it's about five years down the road. So. Um, but definitely COVID definitely, I think, took, especially took a, the league in general from the OHL standpoint, took a bit, bit to get going. So I wonder um, if that's think, part of the reason that the Europeans are so heavily weighted at the high end of the draft this year. Could, could be, could be. So I think we'll, we'll see maybe next year, the guys that, you know, were for this year, and you know, it wasn't really all that fair. If you really think about it, if they didn't have that year and then they come in, oh, boom. Hey, first year in the OHL, first year major year. Oh, hey, just so you know, it's your draft year and you got 32 eyes on you every game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I feel for them and they, they, they've done a hell of a job, mm-hmm. with these kids. So, when, when interviewing some of these guys, these like, you know, the ones you mentioned that this is really like their first year in the O, but also their, their sort of their draft year, you know, when you're interviewing them, what is kind of the process that you go through, like asking them questions, kind of giving them like a certain degree of difficulty or trying to like, because we hear like, Sometimes the stories of NHL scouts or GMs yeah. kind of grilling these players in their in-person interview. So oh, Pato's a big grill guy too. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Is it? No, a- I, 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 I'm a big believer that if you try to be a brain, you know, a ball buster, or try mm-hmm. to ask some ridiculous questions, that you're not going to get the most out of them, and you know, make because you right away you're just going to make them feel uncomfortable. They're going to think, oh, every answer is the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. But no, for for me. You know, I, I do a lot of general, you know, basis interviews through the year just to kind of get to know the kids. And then we obviously do our interviews at the Combine and then everything else is, is kind of followed up over that. But it's just kind of, you know, getting getting to know them as a person, you know. And what, what's their character like? What kind of teammate are like? And obviously you check in with the coach on that. You know, what would your teammates say about you? You know, name a time that, you, you know, you face adversity. Name a time. It could be away from them. It could be you know, something other in life that you give an example of how do you handle it? You know, obviously you said 17 years old, like 18 years old, you're, you're getting drafted to the NHL. Obviously you're not going to play right away. Not majority of these kids won't, but um, no, for me, it's just, I want to know about their, them as a teammate, as a person, I want to know about their compete level. Are they, you know, are they willing to go, you know, you see how hard, like we watch these guys grind in the NHL playoffs, Tampa, you know, those guys, they're good hockey players, but mentally they, you know, it takes a lot out of you. So I, I'm more concerned about, you know, them as a person, as a teammate, when, you know, do I want to go to war with them? Do I want to, you know, do I want to be, be with this guy for nine months out of the year? So um, I, I'm, I'm generally pretty easy. I try to keep it light, keep it easy going, family life, hobbies, interests, and other than that. So um I haven't really had a ton of bad interviews, but uh, everything's everybody's been pretty good. Maybe I don't ask hard enough questions, but uh, I think it's kind of kind of unfair. 
I would put it this way though. If I just put myself in their shoes when I was 17, 18 years old <laughs> and some guy was just like, Hey, what's 36 times four times five. Like, or, Hey, what do you, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or like, right. You, right. you don't know. I want to be a hockey player. Right. So I, it's, it's, it's good. And a lot of it is background on checking with coaches, you know, agents, you know, actually even minor hockey coaches, stuff like that too. So. Well, we good. don't want to take too much of your time because we know you're in Montreal and uh, you got a big week ahead of you. So I've got three rapid fire questions to finish cool. it off. One, you work all the rinks in the OHL. You're doing the loop. I've heard it. Okay. What rink in the OHL has the best concession food? I'm talking hot dogs, popcorn, mm. fountain pop. Who's got the best routine? I don't – that's a tough, you know, I, I can't really say I don't eat a lot of food, but media, like for me, us scouts, we talk about media rooms, right? right. We go to the, we go to the rooms and you, you, they usually have food for you. The best media room food in the league by far is Saginaw. Really? Yeah. Saginaw Over the is, London Knights, eh? Yeah. I would say that. Like Saginaw, they got, they got lasagna, they got Jets pizza, they got pulled pork, <laughs> they got whatever you want. So that, that's the best. Angelo's on his himself. way. He's looking to fight the Saginaw Montreal. I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> or why? No, that's a kind of through the, through the scouts. You know, we're on the road a lot, and you know, obviously, it's nice to get a a meal before the game. And you just, you know, sometimes you don't want to just eat pizza for the mm-hmm. you know third time that week. But they're 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 good. They're all they're all really good. But I'd say media room from Saginaw's great. The second question. It's not so much a rapid fire. It's actually kind of a bigger question, but. National surprised a lot of play, uh, a lot of uh, fans this year with the season you guys had, and you've got guys coming down the pipeline like Askarov and Evangelista. How's the brass feeling going into this draft, knowing that the team has made this huge step, kind of almost unexpected to many degrees? So, with the draft, with the pool that you've already kind of got built, with the pool you're looking to continue to build in this draft, how's what's the What's the mood? What's the vibe among the Predators brass right now? I think just, like I said, like we, we've, I think credit to like John Hines and coaching staff there and the players, you know, like I don't think any people had our team going very, you know, going fair and making playoffs this year. So, no, it's just, it's about, we always talk about culture and building through the draft and, you know, drafting good hockey players and good people. Um, you know, like the draft is an opportunity. To, like you never know. You could, you could pick in your third round or seventh round could be a, a franchise altering player. So I think it's really important, you know, that that's why we have our jobs and that's our job to know them and um, to try to find that player that can help your franchise over the hopper. Um, so I think you're always just, for us, it's just try just getting the best player, getting the best person to, you know, help the team now and, and in the future. So. Great answer. Final question. We need to know your prediction. One, <laughs> one, two, three. Who's it going to be? Cause I put money on Logan Cooley going to, and by the way, Angelo is a Montreal Canadiens yeah. fan as well. So he's well, not too does, happy about that. Who, who, who does Angelo have I, going first? I, I, I've said it for a while now. And I think that in terms of what the franchise needs, they need, they need a Shane Wright. They need a, a center to kind of pair with Nick Suzuki for, the next 10 to 15 years, especially considering 
what's what's in the division with the Leafs and Florida and Tampa yeah, yeah. and Detroit not being very far behind either. So I feel that Shane Wright's the the best pick. I also think that they might make a splash and try and trade up for the number two. Oh, pick. you are so high, man. I don't know how that's gonna happen. He thinks but Josh hope- Anderson, he thinks Josh Anderson <laughs> is gonna fetch him the second overall pick from Jersey. Got a dream, man. So I know I know you work for an NHL club, so we won't get uh, into any of those no. things. But who do you think? One, two, three. They're, they're uh, well, I don't know. They're all good players. I I I can't definitive give you a full on answer. All right, with that in mind, guys. The NHL awards just happened. Any surprises? Michael, I'll start with you. What did you think of your boy AM34 cleaning up? Uh, yeah, you know, it was, uh, I think it was kind of expected. Bittersweet? Uh-huh. Bittersweet. Bittersweet because of the way the season ended. Um, I hope for him he's not satisfied with it. Um, as a fan of the hockey club, that's all you can hope. But, um, I don't know, man. That that hairline is something else, though. He's a, <laughs> he's a hell of a hockey player, but fucking hell. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any uh, you, were you guys shocked with any of the awards? I mean, I don't think any of them were really. I was surprised that Roman Yossi not winning the Norris. Like, mm-hmm. that was even – I mean, we know who Kale McCarr is, and I actually appreciated the fact that they gave it to Kale McCarr because Roman Yossi really kind of came on after Christmas, mm-hmm. whereas McCarr from start to finish was the best defenseman in the NHL. But the way we've seen it in years past with voting, there's such a bias to the latter half of the season. So yeah. I thought that was shocking. But, like, mm-hmm. Roman Yossi, I'm just going to look it up now. But wasn't it Brian Leach that he, like, he had the most points since Brian Leach or was it Ray Bork? In a, in a season for – oh, I'm just looking at this. Roman Yossi became the first defenseman since Brian Leach to register at least 70 assists in a season. Like, yeah. that's wild. To have almost 100 points as a D-man, mm-hmm. that was pretty surprising. But other than that, I thought it was pretty straightforward. What did you guys think? Yeah. You know what? Like, I had – having Roman Yossi all year was fun in fantasy. and But, you know, I think that we're entering the age of uh, – and the age of Kale – where he's going to be winning Norris after Norris. It's going to take uh, a pretty spectacular kind of effort from whoever comes up, whether it is Roman Yossi or even Adam Fox, you know, who, you know, still fairly young. Victor Edmonds kind of, you know, he's not long in the tooth, but he's been in the, he's been in the league for a while. And this was his kind of his best season he's had. I don't know if he'll ever accomplish that again with kind of maybe the way Tampa's a little bit transitioning, you know, with getting rid of some of the guys that they were there. Um, but you know, more insider, he's a fucking beast too. Like he's another guy. Like, I think that he's just going to be one of these like defensemen we're going to watch. That's just going to be beating people up for the next 15 years. Kind of like, you know, he's going to be that intimidating factor that goes along with Detroit. But I think the awards kind of, they went the way we had expected. You know, we talked about Austin Matthews all year long and, it's not surprising that he won the heart. He was, you know, one of the best players in the league. Uh, and Igor winning was not surprising either because he had probably the best season in terms of a goaltender has had since I want to say Carey Price when he won the when he won the Vesna many years ago, however long it's been. So you know there weren't a ton of surprises, at least on my end, that I saw. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. At- it's funny, Connor McDavid keeps kind of getting a little bit shafted because 
uh, like he undoubtedly, it's kind of like the Mike Trout effect. I forget how many MVPs Mike Trout has won, but I think it's only one or two, right? Like unequivocally, we know the best player in hockey is Connor McDavid. But yeah. I think he's only won, how many heart trophies has he won? One, maybe two, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, there's no real surprise there. Um, I, I thought it was great to see Daryl Sutter win the Jack Adams. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm a huge fan of Daryl Sutter, especially his post-game sound bites. <laughs> talking about farming. Like, <laughs> yeah. They ask if he's going to Stampede, and he says he'll be cutting hay. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, other than Daryl Sutter, I, I don't think there was any surprises. The other cool thing was to see Patrice Bergeron win another Selkie trophy. Mm-hmm. He's going to go down as one of the, like, he really is the Bob Ganey of this generation, surely, no? Like, yeah. I, I, w- I would say he's better than Bob Ganey. I know that's, that's a Habs fan talking about, you know, talking ill. It's kind of blasphemy, it's isn't kind it? of blasphemy, but – I, I don't think like Bob Ganey was just that was his role, but Patrice Bergeron also has that offensive side to his game. Like you've seen him between you know uh, between Marshawn and between Pasternak, how dominant that line has been for what the last five six years now it's been it feels like, and you know he can he can do it all. Like there's nothing you you need him to win a big faceoff and score a goal. You know he can do that. You know or you need him to win a big face off to keep the puck, you know, away from the other team when there's a minute to go, he does that too. So, you know, I, I would say that, you know, Bergeron is probably like just, he's out of this world, man. One of the best, like the best defensive player we will have ever seen in our generation, hands down. I find it, uh, is it, was it just this year that they hand out the awards during the finals or is that every year? I can't. No, just this year. Usually yeah. they do it, uh, Usually they do it after the season's done, yeah, right? Okay, like they usually go to Vegas. I found, but... it like, found it bizarre. And I just – I feel like it's hard to – see, I'm, and I know it's a regular season thing, but I just find it hard that – because the playoffs is, is when it matters, right? You see all these great performances, and it I can't help but have it skew my perception of some of these awards. You know what I mean? Um, but AKA Awesome Matthews, you mean? Well, yeah, the Matthews, but even like McDavid in the past. I, I don't know. It's just I feel like because recency bias, right? If you, you just finish the playoffs and you see great performances and then you're, you're trying to remember back the regular season. fucking. For that reason, though, I think it's better to have it before the season is out. I don't know what it's like in other leagues, but I know, for example, in the CFL, they have it the day before the Grey Cup, yeah. right? Um, and and I think the NBA, they kind of do it as, as they're kind of going. Like they, they, they do the six-man, they do – who's the MVP they do, you know, defensive player of the year and rookie of the year. Like I think Scotty, when Scotty Barnes won it, like they were mid round, you know, middle of the first round when he found out. So yeah, they had that weird announcement at the Raptors practice, right? Yeah. So it's a little, you know, they, they kind of, I guess do it that way, but I know the MLB kind of does it. I feel like they do it like right after the season. Like they just like, here's the regular, here's the MVP. Here's the, you know, your silver slugger, your Cy Youngs and all that, and you're done with it. So, Hey, how about the fact that you had two Leafs as first team all-stars this year? I'm not yeah. surprised. I'm not surprised. Like they, they had good years. Like it's not like, you know, Marner had a bad year. 
Yeah, I just know Michael is basically not even a Leaf fan anymore, so I'm just doing it. To, <laughs> no, I am a Leaf fan. It's just, I could care less about, yeah, the first team All-Star in the fucking regular season awards, and I, I'm just tired of it, man. So you're tired of back-to-back first team All-Star right-winger Mitch Marner going on a yacht in south of France, is, you know, while the Stanley Cup final's on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. Like, I know he owes me nothing, but, like, God, man. <laughs> Yeah, it, it looked a- like he was having a good time with Justin Hall and James Van Riemsdyk, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. What do you th- quickly um, on to uh, goaltending? I'm hearing uh, Campbell to the Oilers is a strong possibility. Wow! Imagine Smith to the Leafs. <laughs> Fuck that, buddy. Well, because now all of a sudden Mark Andre Fleury's uh, name is, has popped up in Toronto, but. I'm not too sure about that, man. Campbell to the Oilers sounds like something Jeff Fernandez would have pulled out of some <laughs> fucking weird blog somewhere. No, dude, honestly, I heard it listening to a reputable podcast yesterday. Yeah, well, I also heard Bernard Desky to TFC until uh, I yeah, see it. I heard that. <laughs> you know? Anyway, with Bernard Esky to TFC, let's move into Quick Shifts. How's that sound, fellas? Yeah, let's do Quick Shifts. It's the segment of the show where we talk about the other sports going on in the world and not just – Hockey, so I'll let Michael kick this one off with uh, some TFC news. I'll let him do that. Well, yeah, TFC, uh, Toronto FC signed Lorenzo Insignia, or he officially arrived last week, and now the rumor is uh, Fede Bernadeschi coming over. Uh, Juve let him go as a free agent. So it's a couple Italian players that won the Euros a year ago now coming to MLS. They're coming to Canada where a team actually competes in the World Cup, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. What do you guys uh, think about that? I think it'll make the team a lot better. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a weird time, man. Like, Italian soccer fans in Canada, I don't think have ever been more fucking confused in their life. (laughs) The star players from the national team are coming here to play club team soccer. Yeah. And then their team – can't make it to the World Cup, but then Canada's in the World Cup, so yeah, it's a fuck, I don't know. it's a fucked up time right now. It's bizarre. I don't know. What do you think, so, Ange? No, like you know, it's 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 kind of like it, it's a surreal world because, like you know, we saw many years ago with Javinko and like how he came over and how much like he excelled. And I remember watching when Pirlo was playing for I think it was New York FC. It was before he's kind of like officially retired and you see like the skill level difference. Like Pirlo was the best player on the field and he's like, he was 40. And I'm like, so all like you look at all the the rest of the league and it's like, you know, these guys come over. It's like, they can just fucking straight dominate. Like it's, it's nobody's business. And I know that TFC let uh, the midfielder there go. uh, Pozillo. I think the Spanish one. Pozillo's going, which is why they're bringing in Bernadeschi. TFC also signed another Italian Defender the same time as uh, Insignia coming over mm-hmm. from Torino. So now they've got three players fresh off uh, Syria mm-hmm. coming into MLS, and TFC is going to win the fuck. They're going to go. For, they're in like second last right now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till the fucking Italians take the pitch. <laughs> take them right to the top. Dude, Javinko should never have left. Like, why the fuck did he leave? Mm-hmm. Was there that much more money being offered to him to go in like Qatar or wherever the fuck he went? I think so. Yeah, that's Saudi money kind of. It lured him away, right? Well, so. look at the live. Look at the live golf tour. Mm-hmm. 
which we should uh, – Right, that's our next – That was the next, next one, actually. Oh, what, a, what a fucking segue. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, Javinko, Saudi money, live golf. Let's go. <laughs> All right, I've got I've got a very very intense. I'm the biggest golf guy. I'm wearing my Mira Golf brand hat here, um, so I'll let you guys start and then let me jump in because I got something to say. Well, the Live Golf Tour kind of taking the the golfing world by storm and kind of putting the PGA, you know, on its heels. We've seen the names of you know Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, uh, Patrick Reed has joined, Kevin Na, Brooks Kepka. The list goes on and on. And how, you know, we've seen kind of leagues pop up before. Like originally you had the AFL competing with the NFL. You had the WHA competing with the NHL. And now we, we see it in golf now where you have the Live Golf Tour, you know, kind of making a lot of PGA people upset uh, and just kind of taking the golf world by storm. So, you know, is it going to be something that's here to stay or is it going to be something that kind of, you know, fizzles out in a year or two because, you know, no one, I don't hear anything about the live golf tour other than they signed this player or they signed this player. Never hear anything about the events that are transpiring. So is it here, something that's, you know, going to be here to stay or is it just something that might fizzle out in the, Michael loves it because he's a big WCW guy. So yeah, see this this yeah. reminds, this is classic <laughs> WCW. They're throwing there's throwing so much money at a few guys. They don't know how to run a fucking tour, and uh, it's just I don't know. I, I don't. I can't see it. I can't see it lasting. But the only thing is, is that the Saudis have so much money to just burn. Like they've they've taken over. The, the soccer world, especially in Europe. Like, they, they've bought so many clubs now and just pumping. Oh, look where the World Cup is this year, dude. Well, yeah, no, exactly. So, so from that angle, it's like, God, I can see them maybe doing this for a while, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't see it overtaking the PGA, the PGA Tour. As, as of right now, as of right now, I don't. But if they keep throwing this money at, at people to play, like – and if the PJ stands by by what they say that they can't come back on tour, they can only play the majors, right? See, and a, and, a, and a lot of these guys too, like they're getting kind of just show up. You don't have to necessarily play. Where in a PGA event, you have to play in order to make money. So, a lot of these guys, right, like who are who are old, like Phil Mickelson's old. He's been around. He's been in, been playing professional golf for a long time. So, or maybe he doesn't have to show up and play. You know four rounds of golf or you can just show up and just get a, you know, whatever, a show up fee. Can I, can I, can I, can I raise something that this really reminds me of? I have some names to throw out. Now we're going to tie this bastard back up to hockey. Jacques Plante, Mike Gartner, Gordy Howe, Bobby Hall, Dave Keon, Wayne Gretzky. What am I talking about? WHA, baby. The World Hockey Association. <laughs> and it crumbled, baby. Um, yeah, I don't think it's here to stay at all. I think it's a bit of a joke. And the format, it doesn't have the history. People that are golf people, although maybe we'll be surprised. Who knows? Maybe they will break through. But I like it because the chaos in me likes it, you know. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm. Have you watched? Were, have you watched any of it? I watched. Yeah, I've been watching highlight packs of it. Have you watched it? 
Well, so it's on the zone. So I, I've got the zone. So I was on the zone the other day or last weekend and I saw it on. So I, I threw it on for, I don't know, not even 10 minutes. Um, it's just, it's, it's for me, it's like, it's like when, when uh, Konomi made a soccer video game to go up against FIFA. It's like, it's just like some aspects are better, but it's just fucking, it's not it's, the same. It's not the same. Right? It's like, like that. Like, are they making a, is it like the XFL? Like, are they making guys for like possession of the first swing? Like, are they making guys like, <laughs> do, like do a 40 yard dash and, <laughs> and tackle each other and try to retain the golf ball? <laughs> They should, man, <laughs> to get some ratings. But. It's crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, the U.S., and not to get political, but they had, like, a massive um, rally at the tournament in Portland last weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's about the human rights stuff and obviously the very sad and uh, difficult situation with Jamal Khashoggi and their human rights records. But sure, the, like, the, the Portland one was the Live Tour, right? Live Tour event, right. yeah. So they yeah. had, like, protesters, right? um understandably so because of the saudis but then i'm like at the same time i'm like the irony and americans protesting human rights stuff like when you look at what's going on with the supreme court rulings in the u.s the ongoing shootings like uh, it's kind of like uh who's that guy who said he who cast the first stone uh you know uh, who, he who does not sin may they cast the first stone. Oh, wait, Jesus, right? Isn't it that Jesus guy? <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, I don't know. They're trying to make it this big political thing in the States. And I'm like, they, you can't really take that approach because you got to look in the mirror. And I know you that look at it from a purist standpoint, from a golf purist standpoint, you're going to lose. Like they are not attracting mm-hmm. the generation of 40 plus but the under 40 crowd might be intrigued. I think at the very least we're all intrigued, you know, because um, yeah. like Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, love him or hate him. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson. Like these are big names, man. Yeah. These are big, big names. Like if they get one or two other big names, like if Rory or Ricky, or any of these other big names were to leave the PGA Tour, like, the PGA Tour is going to be fucking scrambling. They offer Tiger, like, close to a billion dollars. And he, and he turned it down. Crazy. Like, that's that's absolutely insane. Dude, you know who they need to bring in? They need to bring in whoever it was from the Indianapolis racers that convinced Wayne Gretzky to go play for them. They need that guy. <laughs> To come and negotiate. <laughs> to come and negotiate. Because that's know, still the craziest thing in history, dude. What, what's uh, what's more of a flex, though? Offering someone a billion dollars or turning down close to a billion? Like, I don't know, man. I'd say, I'd say turning down a billion dollars, man. man. Yeah, man. He, he doesn't like it, you know. He doesn't have to go and play golf. Just show up, yeah. sign some autographs, take yeah. some pictures. You know, that's it. That would be such a Hulk Hogan heel. Yeah. <laughs> it would it would be hulk hogan-esque because hulk is really the tiger right like yeah they're kind of on the same uh they're kind of on that same parallel it's nelson scalbania that's who they need to bring in nelson scalbania (laughs) from the indianapolis racers they need him to negotiate with tiger's side so anyway um what are we what are we finishing off with today fellas 
Well, we can finish off one of two ways. We can fin- finish off with uh, a TV sitcom, or we can finish off with uh, Kevin Durant. So I'll let I'll let you guys decide. Uh, we can talk about sitcoms anytime. Fucking rights. Let's talk about Katie. Holy Body. Madonna. Wow. Man, I was listening to one of these American guys on ESPN talking shit about Canada, and it makes me want to barf. Like, oh, Christopher Sard there. Toronto, right? Living in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Dude, it always, right? Like, they walks like a duck, talks like a duck. For the most part, Americans, aside from their politics and their crazy shit, they do remind me a lot of Canadians, especially like you meet a lot of great Americans. Like some, mm-hmm. I've got some wonderful friends down there, family. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, Christ, I sound so anti-American this podcast. I do love your country, <laughs> USA. Please leave me alone. Um, but like, holy smokes, sometimes they open their mouth and you realize like, they don't know anything about Canada, man. Yeah. Like Toronto's a global city. Toronto isn't even a reflection of Canada. Toronto's a reflection of the entire country, or not the entire country, the entire world, man. Toronto's like, its own entity within the country, I yeah. feel. Like, even, like, you can even compare it to a London or a New York or a Sydney or whatever, like, other multicultural mega cities, but Toronto's its own thing. Toronto, for our listeners who don't know, is the second, has the second highest concentration of foreign-born nationals, so expats, living in a city and the only city that's number and it's 50 percent. so one in every two torontonians you meet is not born in canada okay and on top of that the cunt it's really should be number one because torontonians are from everywhere eastern europe western europe asia like literally anywhere on the globe every i think every country like every country in the like there's a community from every country in the world in Toronto, in the Toronto area. Miami is number one, but Miami is skewed because it's 60% foreign born, but the vast majority of those people are either from Cuba or Haiti and it's mostly Cuba. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of apples and oranges here. Toronto is a multicultural uh, capital of the world why Kevin Durant wouldn't want to come here. I'm sorry to our American listeners. Uh, it has nothing to do with race or anything like that. We're not a bunch of lumberjacks in the great white North here. So See, I don't know. What do you guys think about it? I think for KD, this would be a, a, a good landing spot. You saw how Kawhi kind of, you know, came here and I think KD kind of wants to be left alone too. Like, you know, He's he's got the burner accounts on Twitter and you know he's always trying to stir up drama. But I, I think, you know, in his heart of hearts, he's kind of wants to be left alone at the end of it. And, you know, seeing Toronto as a possible destination for him, I'm sure he's not, you know, completely opposed to it. I imagine that, you know, Toronto wants to be kind of protective of their players, like especially Scotty Barnes, who I'm sure is kind of the, the main focal point. And it's like, are you willing to sacrifice 10 years of Scotty Barnes for maybe three of, of Kevin Durant, where he might look Kyrie opted to stay in. He could have said, no, I'm opting out and just trade me to whoever wants, wants me, but he opted to stay in. And Kevin Durant a day later is like, no, I want to trade. Give me the hell out of here. I'm done. So like that can happen in Toronto. And then, you know, you end up with egg on your face. And if, you know, Scotty Barnes is the piece that you lose and you don't have him. That's, that's a tough fucking blow for a franchise like the Raptors. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. I, I don't like Kevin Durant. I never have. Like, if you look at the top two teams on his list, it's the best two teams in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's done this before. Um, he's he's got such thin skin. Like, and, and I don't think he would come because when he hurt himself in the finals against Toronto and the Raptors fans reacted, he fucking cried about that. So like, I don't know. I don't want him to come here. And I think the the big trade to get Kawhi. There was risk involved, like, will he come, will he not? He came. They won a title. It paid off. I think you you risk it again if you give up a guy like Scotty Barnes um, and other young pieces for KD, and I don't think KD will do the same here that Kawhi did. Kawhi was, is um, more of a head-down player, do your job, and, and that's that. Whereas KD, he's not that. He gets distracted by every little thing that ev- everyone says. You know what I mean? So – I don't think it would work well for him here, and I hope he doesn't come. But and he's got four years left on. Like he just his extension just kicked in. So I don't know. That's my take. Yeah, I think it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I it takes the team to a different level though. Like there is Toronto does have the package. Um, yeah, but you get rid of that. I don't know. When they traded for Kawhi, the team was right there. Like, this team's at a different spot right now. This team's a few years behind that Raptors team that was right there when they when they made the trade for Kawhi. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's Are they a few years behind, though, if you acquire a Kevin Durant? Yeah, but then you're giving up – if they, they're – like, Brooklyn's going to want Scotty Barnes. Right, right. Like rookie of the year. I'm not. You're not gonna give up Scotty Barnes for him, no chance. No, man. I don't think so. What about Pascal Siakam? Yeah, Pascal. Yeah, but they're gonna want more than that, right? Yeah. right. I want Pascal plus, you know, maybe a Fred Van Vliet. They plus. won't give up Fred. Fred's yeah. Fred's the only one they won't touch. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. I think they'll give up Scotty Barnes before Fred. That Jane. would be like the only no no touch zone. And there's been a little bit they've been talking about too because Toronto's odds went from, I don't know, it was like plus 1,500 or whatever it was to almost now I think plus, I don't know, last time I checked, maybe plus 300 or whatever it was. And they were talking about uh, Otto Porter Jr. who they had signed and also re-signing Thad Young. And they talked about some of the wording that they had in their contracts kind of made it so that if they needed to move them to make the deal work, this these were the pieces that would also be going to Brooklyn in order to make the money. Cause you have to make the money work too. Right. So it'll be very interesting to kind of see, you know, what transpires with everything. For sure. Yeah. Well, boys, that's it for uh, this week's episode. Um, we'll come back in a couple of weeks, you know, once free agency has uh, happened, once the NHL draft is coming on and uh, we'll reevaluate and uh, then we'll get ready for the summer break. Cause you know, I think we've earned it. We've uh, worked pretty hard this year. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Until next time, boys, take care and uh, be safe. See you. All the best, man. See you soon. This week's episode of the Foot and Crease podcast is sponsored by LaRoe Specialty Foods and Fine Italian Bakery. They are located at 327 Bronte Street South in Milton, Ontario. You can visit their website at LaRoe'sBakery.com and check out their Instagram page at LaRoe's Milton.